God, thank you so much for this morning, for the way in which we can just gather in this space to worship, to dive into the word, uh, to do what you have called us to do, God, to be a part of the body of Christ. God, we are just excited uh, to continue this series, excited to see what we have to say through your word. God, I pray once again that you would speak through me this morning, that the words that come out of my mouth would be your words for your people on your day, God. No one here came to hear me speak. We all come to hear you. And God, I just pray uh, that you would uh, move through your word once again this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, last week, we started a brand new series in the book of Habakkuk, uh, or Habakkuk, or uh, there's a lot of different ways to pronounce that. However you want to say it, you say it. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'll probably say it a few different w- ways during the sermon. That's okay, too. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, it's interesting uh, when, we st- when I started the series last week, over the course of this week, I've heard from multiple people who have said, you know, I don't think I have ever actually read this book. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually heard a sermon on this book. I don't think I've ever actually thought about this book more than just it being there in the back of the Old Testament, which is awesome. All right? This is why I wanted to do this series, because uh, Habakkuk, Habakkuk is, uh, he is, uh, it's one of, the, one of the ones that just gets easily passed over. You know, when we talk about the Psalms, we talk about how the Psalms, sometimes you just kind of read them and you don't really think about it. Habakkuk is one of those, those books where you just read it and you don't really think about it and you don't really doesn't really do anything for you because it's just kind of weird, right? There's some weird stuff in here. There's some interesting stuff in here. But uh, as you're turning there, uh, if you're in one of our pew Bibles, uh, it is on, I don't think I wrote it down. Oh, 806, on 806, if you're looking for it in our pew Bibles, that's where we're going to be. But Habakkuk is one of the 12 minor prophets that we find in our our Bibles. Uh, It is written around 600 BC, during one of these periods of time where uh, we've talked about it in our Word of God series, where the people of God are not following the ways of God. Right? They are not walking in obedience. They are not living the life that God is calling them to live. None of that is actually happening. Right? And so what we see is the prophet Habakkuk going to God for the people and and understanding that God has a punishment coming for the people of God, right? This is kind of where we stand, is during one of these times. uh, In fact, spoiler alert, the Babylonians, which are uh, being talked about here, are going to have them in captivity in the very near future, right around 586 BC is when they take them into captivity, which is pretty much what God is saying is going to happen in Habakkuk, spoiler alert, all right? Uh, But you go back to chapter one with me for a second, and where we are in this conversation between God and Habakkuk, which is an interesting conversation, right? Normally what you have for a prophet is you have the prophet speaking the word of God to the people of God. This book is different. What you have in the book of Habakkuk is the prophet speaking these concerns of himself and the people to God. That's kind of going backwards a little bit from what we're used to with the prophet. He's taking these concerns and he's bringing them to God. Uh, and that's, that's sort of what happens. And he, remember Habakkuk just, he receives this message. He begins to question God. Like, where are you in all of this? I see this violence. I see all this unrest. I see this injustice everywhere. Like justice means nothing. He's basically saying, like, look, I don't see you. I don't think you're fair. And what I see you doing is not fair. <laughs> what I see you doing is not what I feel like you should be doing. So, so what's going on here, God? 
Right, these are kind of the questions that Habakkuk is bringing to God. And, uh, you know, Habakkuk, Habakkuk was basically saying, look, you don't seem fair. You seem like you just don't care. And you're not doing anything about these things. And what you are doing just doesn't seem like the right things to do. So hopefully this week, as you have kind of struggled with those questions as well. Remember last week we talked about how, just like Habakkuk, it's okay to wrestle with God on some things. Habakkuk expressed doubts. He expressed some questions, but he also was a man of faith, as we'll read again today in, in the second uh, concern that he has. He remember, he's saying, you're holy. You are my holy God. You are eternal. I know about you. I believe in you, but I still have these Questions. Remember last week, the whole thing, if you heard nothing else from me last week was this. It is okay and in fact perfectly fine, just like Habakkuk and some other people in scripture, to have a deeply founded faith and still have questions, still have doubts. That is just fine. Uh, this is where Habakkuk is. This is where I think some of us are and and. Really, hopefully, as you have struggled with those questions yourself, you've done what Habakkuk did and just wrestled with those things. Remember, the name Habakkuk just means to wrestle. This is who he was. He was, he was going to wrestle with God. And so we, we are going to pick up reading, actually, in chapter 1 again today. Uh, we'll start it at verse 12 during Habakkuk's second complaint. Uh, again, if you're in your pew Bibles on page 806, we are picking up right after God has basically said, look, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians, okay? Which, if you read the questions that Habakkuk asks in the first four verses, and then you read God's answer, you can understand his feeling just being like, but those aren't the questions, those aren't, you're not answering the questions that I asked. That's not what I asked you about. I didn't ask you about that. <laughs> You're not giving me the answers that I'm looking for, God. And so here's his second complaint in verse 12. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls up all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. <clears throat> Therefore, he sacrifices his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Some versions say the righteous will live by faith. Indeed, <clears throat> wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest because he is as greedy as the grave. And like death is never satisfied, he gathers to himself all the nations and takes captives of all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? 
Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey because you have plundered many nations. The peoples who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing, that for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea? Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. Will you be filled with shame instead of glory? Now it's your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you, for you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life. Or to lifeless stone, wake up, can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver, there's no breath in it. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. It's an interesting chapter and a half here. As we find Habakkuk, once again, complaining to God, bringing up these complaints, and God's response to him, which actually sort of answers his first questions in chapter one. This is, this is kind of the conversation that we have here. <clears throat> you know, we see just some genuine wrestling going on with how God is moving and working in the midst of his people. And again, there might be many of us in this room right now who find ourselves in this place of wrestling, of just wondering, of asking these questions of God and feeling like the answers that we're getting are not the answers to the questions that we're asking. Like There might be some of us who are feeling that, but remember last week, it is okay to have doubts and it's okay to question and to not understand. It is possible to simultaneously have faith and questions. So what does this example from Habakkuk tell us? It tells us to keep wrestling, to keep pushing, to keep asking. Right, Habakkuk, after complaining a second time, he just says this, I'll stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am given, what answer I am to give to this complaint. He just, all right, I'm just gonna sit here and we're just gonna see what God has to say to this complaint. What's his complaint? Man, these people, these evil people, are thriving. These evil people, these people who are, who are like way worse than what you say we have done. How could you raise these people up to destroy us, all of this? And so I think as we read through, especially these kind of first few verses of chapter two, what we see here is kind of a blueprint of, from Habakkuk for how to kind of wrestle with God. What is Habakkuk actually doing here? How is he doing this wrestling? How is he having this conversation with God? What can, we, what can we take from this? And how can we, 
How can we kind of take this and apply it to our own lives? And here's, here's kind of the first thing that Habakkuk did. First thing he did was he stopped and he listened. He stopped and he listened. He got his words out. This is, this is how I'm complaining, God. This is all the things that I see wrong. This is all the things that I'm so confused by. These are the things that I just don't understand. But here's what he says. I'll stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I'm going to be given to this complaint. Habakkuk is like, God, I don't like this. I'm complaining to you because I don't like this. I do not like how things are. And the beautiful thing about this is that God seems to just listen respectfully. Again, I'll say this again. God is not scared of your questions and he is not scared of your doubts. When we bring these questions to him, God hears your questions. He hears your doubts. But here's the thing. He, he goes to him and he asks these questions and then he just sits and listens. Knowing that God will answer. God, I don't like this. I don't agree with what you're doing. I've told you why. Now it's your turn. You, I, I want some answers. What do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> this is kind of this prayer of Habakkuk. And God answers. And I love this because so often what we do, me and you here in 2021 in Fresno, California, oftentimes what we do when we have doubts and we have questions is we just kind of, for lack of a better term, just kind of vomit them up to God. And then we don't wait. <laughs> we love telling God how we feel. It's easy for us to tell God how we feel. God, I disagree with this. I don't understand this. I, I, I think this is bogus. I don't understand why this is going on in my life. I think this is ridiculous. I don't understand what's going on. I don't even feel you anywhere. I don't know, what, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're doing. The things I do see you doing, they just don't seem like the right things to do. I wouldn't do it that way. And then when we pray that, we just kind of go along our way. We're busy people. We have some place to go, something to do. And when we pray, we don't always just stop and listen. We don't stop and wait for the answer. But this is exactly what Habakkuk does here. He, he puts forward these complaints. And then he says, look, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to wait. And I'm going to see what God has to say to this. This is what he does. He stops and he listens. See, this is the beautiful thing about God. God is a relational God. God loves to speak to his children. He loves it. He loves to speak to his children. He loves to have conversation with his children. He loves to speak. And if we will stop and listen, God will often speak to you. Here's the question. How will he speak? All sorts of different ways. I personally have never heard the audible voice of God. But I know people that have and I believe them. But God speaks through his word. He speaks through relationships that you have. He speaks through your circumstances. There are many ways in which God will speak to you about a certain thing. And how, how do I know what it sounds like? How do I know what the voice of God actually sounds like? Now, I think I've told this story before about the, the grandpa listening to a baseball game, probably a Giants game. Uh, sorry, Dodger fans. Uh, uh, <laughs> I should say, sorry, Giants fans. I'm a Diamondbacks fan, so it doesn't really matter to me. But uh, there's a grandpa listening to a baseball game in his garage, and his grandson's there with him visiting, and he's trying to hang out with his grandpa in the garage, and he's listening to this baseball game with him, but the game is just, this, this radio station is full of static. 
And the kid finally just asked his grandpa, like, Grandpa, how do you hear the game? All I can hear is static on this channel. Like, I feel like you could find a better channel for this. And the grandpa just says, Son, I have been listening to the same game on the same channel for so long that I don't even hear the static anymore. All I hear is the announcer's voice. I am in tune with the announcer's voice because I've just been listening to that voice for so long. How do we know? How do we know the voice of God? We need to practice. We need to spend some time just stopping and listening. We need to just be there with God. I don't even hear the static anymore, just the announcer's voice. I don't even hear all the noise that's going on in my life anymore. All I hear when I'm just stopping and listening to God is just the voice of God, whether he's speaking to me through my circumstances or through his word or however it may be. I'm in tune with the voice of God. We need to to practice that. Now, there are some times, like in Habakkuk here in chapters 1 and 2, where the answers that you get are not the answers that you want. Right, Habakkuk is basically like, hey, look, God, I see all this injustice, I, all these people, like justice is a joke right now, like there's nothing that is going on right now that it seems right. And God says, well, if that doesn't seem right, check this out. I'm going to raise up your enemies and they're going to be the ones to come and do this to you. Habakkuk's like, that's, that's not what I meant. It's not the question that I asked. That's not what I was going for when I came to you with this guy. That's not what I'm going for. And he has this second complaint. He says, you know what? I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to wait and I'm going to listen because I know you have something to say to this. And then God begins to speak and sometimes the answer that we get from God isn't the answer that we want. But we need to be able to listen and hear the voice of God and discern that. We need to learn to stop and to listen. Here's the second thing that God actually asks Habakkuk to do. Here's what he says in chapter 2. He says in verse 2, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. What did he ask him to do? He asked him to write it down. Why, why would you ask him to write it down? That doesn't really make sense, right? Why would God ask Habakkuk to write it down? It's almost like God is saying, hey, years later, when all of this stuff that I'm about to say comes true, I want you to have this in writing so you can know that I am faithful and you can know that I am true to my word. Write this down. This is going to be just too crazy for you. I mean, even go back to verse 1. Uh, I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. That's 1 verse 5. And chapter 2, we get to see what that would be. And he says, write this down. Now, I'll admit this. This is not something that I do. But I'm going to start. I was, as I read this and kind of just processed this this week, I think there's so much uh, just wisdom in this, just writing down the answers that we receive from God, writing down what God is calling us to do or telling us that is going on. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, this is, maybe it's just me. Have you ever gotten to the grocery store and known that you were there for like two or three things and you get there and you have two or three things in your cart and you, they're not the two or three things you came for? I can't tell you the amount of times I've gone to the grocery store for like three things and I've had to call Rachel and be like, hey, look, I have the soda and the ice cream, but I'm missing something. And she's like, those weren't on the list, right? Though you got to get bread and milk. That's what you're at the store for. Right? <laughs> so, like, but this is, you got to write it down sometimes, right? This is, this is what we have to do. We have to write it down because sometimes we just, we just forget. 
It really helps when I write down what I'm going to the grocery store for. It really helps. You know, the same is true in our prayers as well. When God says something, it would be wise to write it down. And then what happens is when that answer comes, when that prayer gets answered, whether it's days or weeks, months, maybe even years later, we can go back and say, look, man, God said this, and look what has happened. God is faithful. God is good. God is, is true to his word. I, I think there's some wisdom in this. Writing that down gives us a reference point. And it, God, gives, God says to Habakkuk, look, there is an appointed time. You don't know the appointed time, but that's there. And it will come. It will not prove false. There is an appointed time. It will not prove false. It might take a while, but it's coming. And when it does happen, we have a reference point to go back to and say, man, God is good. God is true to his word. God is right. He is faithful. He knows what he is doing. If God gives you a vision for your future, write it down. If God gives you an answer to prayer, write it down. If he lets you know that he has heard you, write it down. Just write it down. Write it down. This is what God was calling Habakkuk to do. And then the third thing that he calls him to do is the hardest part. And he says, just wait. Here's what he says in verse Three, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Now, that last line, I love that line. Like, it's coming, and it's not going to delay. Whose timeline are you talking about here, God? Because it feels like it's delayed to me. Right? It's not delaying. Right? There's an appointed time. This is going to happen. It will come true. This will happen, and it will not to delay. But we hate to wait. This is just who we are. The same reason why we leave our prayers early after we just kind of tell God all about all the things that are wrong in our lives. We hate to wait. Silence is not something that we do well. Uh, we just... We just don't like it. We hate to wait. We don't like to wait. We, we, we're like that little girl in Willy Wonka. Like, I want it now. Right, this is who we are in our daily lives. We don't like to wait. If the red light doesn't turn on, if the red light doesn't turn green, and, the, and like, we just starts to boil. Right? We just get, I got to get moving. Like, I don't understand. There's no one going on the green. I don't get it. Like, why can't I go? Right, we have all of these things that we just hate to wait for. Right, we, we have, like... We record our TV shows now, so we don't have to watch commercials. Why? We don't want to wait to see what happens. It's just, we just don't like waiting. That's just not who we are. We don't like to wait. When God promises something, though, you might have to wait for a little while. But here's the thing we know when we're waiting is that the promise is true. I think some of us might be in this, this stage right now. We are waiting and waiting and waiting for God to come through on what we feel like God has told us he will do. And it just feels useless. We feel useless because sometimes when we feel like we're, we're waiting, it means that we have to just kind of stop. That's not the way it, it works, though. So when we're waiting on the promises of God, it doesn't mean that we just don't do anything else. We continue to follow God, we continue to follow him, we continue to live for him, we continue to try and look more and more like Jesus every day, but our, our waiting, we just have to be patient. There's a point in time that will not delay. I want you to remember this, God's delays are not denials. 
when God has promised something, it will come to be. God has promised. God is good on his promises. His promises will return true. That's who he is. That's how he works. You look at scripture and you see example after example of people who God would promise something to and they would wait. Right? But oftentimes there is a waiting period when it comes to the promises of God. But God's timing is different than our timing. It's different than it would be. It's different than we feel like it probably should be. But it is different. Right? And it's it's not an excuse to just kind of sit on the couch and do nothing with your faith. We keep pushing, we keep living, we keep following. So what God has called Habakkuk to do here in early in chapter 2 is to listen, to write it down, and to wait. But God is not done with those things. He's not just saying like, look, you know, I hear your questions. Just hold on a second. I've got something planned. He lays out the plans here. God says, this is what is about to go down. He answers these first few questions that Habakkuk has and about the injustice, the violence, those he, he sees doing those things. And in verse, uh, verse four, the enemy is puffed up. Who is the enemy here? The enemy is the, the Babylonians. It's these people who are going to be coming after them. And he, gives these, he ends up giving these five woes to the Babylonians, the people he's going to use to actually punish the Israelites. Right, verse 6, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Verse 9, Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. Verse 12, Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Verse 15, Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. And then verse uh, 19, Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? Saying, no, it's, it's covered with gold and silver. There's no, there's no breath in it. Right? He gives these, these woe statements, and he's saying, look, look, these guys are puffed up. They feel like they are better than they are, but they will come crashing down. But verse 4, but the righteous, they will live by faith. The righteous will live by their faithfulness. Look, these people who think that they are so much better than you, these people who I'm even going to use against you, those people, they are going to come crashing down. But the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. They are puffed up, but the righteous, they'll live by faith. Those people who, who, who God is going to use to even just bring down the Israelites, right? Those people, they are puffed up, but the righteous will live by faith. The righteous, those people who love me, those people who follow me, those people who are, are mine, they will live by faith. Now, what can these people base their faith on in the midst of everything that is going on? Remember, remember what is going on right now. What is going on is they have been disobedient and God is going to come and discipline. He's going to do so through a people that they hate. Those hated people are going to come and do the discipline. God is going to take care of those hated people at some point. But what, what is it? Remember, that's the thing they have to wait on, right? That's what they're waiting for. What is it, though, that these people can base their faith on? They can base it on the fact that God is going to be true to his word. They can base it on the fact that verse 20 says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Amen. What is their faith based on? It's based on the fact that God is still on the throne. That God is in his holy temple. 
all of this stuff that is going on is not unseen by God. All of this, this stuff, this injustice that you are bringing to me is not unseen by God. God is in his holy temple. He is still in control. He is still in charge. Those people who love me, they will live by faith. Hebrews 11 is a great chapter. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about it tonight as well. Uh, but Hebrews 11 is just a great chapter of people who, who had great faith. Right? Noah had faith enough to build an ark. Why? Because God said to do it. Because of God's word. Abraham and Sarah were going to have a baby. They had faith that it was going to happen. There were some things before that, but they had, some, they had faith that it was going to happen. Why? Because God said so. They had faith in God's word. Abraham took that son that God had promised and took him to the altar to be sacrificed. Why? Because God said so. They had faith in God's word. All right, you look at Moses and the people going into the promised land. They had faith that God would do that. Why? Because he said he would. Right, yeah, well, there were some bumps along the way. There were some times in which they didn't necessarily <laughs> they tried to take it into their own hands and do it themselves, right? But they had faith that God was who he says he was, that God is still on the throne, that he's still there. We live by faith in the same way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, right? They, they were going through, they were getting ready to be thrown into a fiery furnace because they wouldn't worship the king. And what happens? I'm going to throw you into the fire. Okay, well, we will go into the fire, and we believe that God will save us. But even if he doesn't, God's still on the throne. Even if he doesn't, God is in his holy temple. Even if he doesn't, we will still not bow because God is in control. See, what do we do when we find ourselves in these times of doubt, these times of uncertainty, these times where we just feel like, God, what are you doing right now? God, I, I just, it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. What you are doing doesn't seem like the right thing to do. What do we do in these times of questioning and doubting? We listen. Maybe we write it down. We wait on God, but most importantly, we continue to live by faith. Amen. Faith that God is who he says he is. Faith that he will do the things that he'll say he will do. Faith that God is good, even when our circumstances don't seem to be. The righteous will live by faith. Even when it doesn't make sense, we live by faith. See, Habakkuk got the answer. It wasn't what he was hoping for or expecting. But he had the, the, the discipline to wait, to listen, to write it down. He had faith. The righteous will live by faith. Faith in God. God is who he says he is. Do you believe that? God will do the things he says he does. Do you believe that? The righteous will live by faith in God. This is what it's all about. I'm looking forward to chapter three next week. Uh, we're going to finish off. I know it's a short series, but it's a short book. So uh, we're going to finish off with chapter three next week. But uh, I, I hope, hope you've enjoyed Habakkuk. I know for me, it just has uh, given me even more just hope, even in the times of, of doubt and in the times of questioning. We're not alone. If you're doubting, if you are questioning, you are not alone. Habakkuk did. Habakkuk took his concerns and his questions and his doubts to God, and God answered. Let's pray. God, we love you. We give you thanks. We give you praise. God, you are good.
God, we give you thanks and praise <clears throat> because you are who you say you are, because you will do the things that you say you will do, God. We give you praise because you are good. God, this, this line in here talking about the righteous will live by faith. Uh, may we just take that with us this week and use that as an encouragement even in times of doubt and discouragement, even in times where we're asking questions and wondering where you are, God, would we just, just keep this in mind? The righteous will live by faith. Faith that you are who you say you are. Faith that you will do the things that you say you will do. Faith that you are good, even when our circumstances don't seem to be, God. The righteous will live by faith. May we live by faith this week. And remember that it's okay to have faith and questions. It's okay to have doubts and faith. It is okay to be in this middle ground. But God, as we see next week, it, it causes Habakkuk just to, to worship. May it cause us to do the same as well. May we live by faith this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? And uh, as you go, let me just say a word of blessing over you. If you just hold your hands out and just receive this blessing. May our God, God of grace, God of love and truth, may he encourage you this week. Even in your doubts and your questions, may he just give you the comfort and the peace to be able to ask and to bring it to him. And as you do, may you listen, write it down. Be patient as you wait, because the answer is on the way. May you go with courage this week and peace this week. May you make a difference wherever you may find yourself. Go in the grace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for coming this morning. It's been good to see you all.